Hi, everybody. This is Bruce Rodriguez, the host of the Might Bomb Beekeeping Podcast. Today's January 11th. Today I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do kind of a response to a YouTube video that I watched the other day. I was watching a 628 Dirt Rooster bee removal, which I love watching. It was a new one. And down in the suggested videos, it showed a video of a presentation by Randy Oliver, who... Everybody knows who he is. Um, and he was giving a presentation to just a regular bee club. Um, he's a commercial beekeeper. He says he has 1,500 colonies. Um, he gets linked a lot. He gets a lot of his links shared in conversations about, you know, treating or not treating or everything all the time. I've, I've, read most of his website many times uh, but i've never actually heard his voice or seen him animated like a human being he's always just words on a on a website so i watched his video and i went ahead and had to watch it again so that i could mark down the times where he says some really interesting things which i'm going to try to just respond to without any type of insulting as you will see we get from from him um, without any kind of you know appeals to emotion that we're going to hear from him without any contradictions i'm going to try not to contradict myself but let's go ahead and get started uh it's going to be a little clunky i'm on a laptop here i'm going to play this youtube video and try to just Record it the way it is, and if you want to watch this video, it's called Nozima and Varroa Mites, Randy Oliver, NYB Wellness. Uh, maybe I'll put a link in the description here. I'm really not trying to get it any views. It looks like it has 44,000, but only like 10 comments. So, But let's let's just see how this thing starts off. It gets off to a pretty strange start. I was invited to do a, uh, a field demonstration in the Bay Area, California, uh, two years ago, and the president of the uh, local club had an apiary of about 30 colonies uh, that she had um, gotten many from cutouts, and we had a whole group of 25 people there. And after spending the day, the uh, afternoon and uh, uh, inspection in the colony, I said, "Do you guys how real lucky realize how lucky you are?" You just had a field demonstration where you got to see every disease known to beekeepers in one apiary, and you've all learned how to recognize American fabric by smell simply by walking in front of the hives. I said, and by the way, how many of you have apiaries within the flight distance of this yard? Most of the hands went up. President of the club. Fabric, and here's what this So it gets right off to a, to a strange start there about Falbrood. Very vague details. The Bay Area. Just the Bay Area. The president of a local club. And I didn't want to start off with my first point just saying it sounded made up. So I sent a few emails to some people in the Bay Area. Presidents of clubs. And they relayed to me that that's not the way it went. And that was all they were going to say about that. I guess they're just petrified to say anything about Randy Oliver. But I did find that was an interesting way to start that that video off, going right to AFB. You know, the the thing that just the average person, it's the 
the rarest thing you're going to run into. And of course, it's bad. But for someone to say that a, a bee club has 30 colonies full of AFB every, and he's just kind of joking about it, uh, he goes on for for about eight minutes there, just pretty much just ridiculing everyone. He's holding up frames. No one knows what it is. It just sounds ridiculous, but uh, that's how it starts. Uh, what he says next, I'm going to try to cue this up while I'm talking. Um, talks uh, he, he likes to throw a little bit of shade on TF, TFB keepers. Um, you know, that's fine. But uh, let's see. 849. Won't spread parasites to other people's colonies. American fowl brood, uh, burrow mite, the virus associated with them. Your responsibility to both nature, to the feral bees, and to the beekeeping community is to manage the parasites that the bees are not doing, uh, managing themselves, or remove that colony. Shake them off in soapy water and get out of out of beekeeping because you're uh, then a nuisance to the beekeeping community. Okay? This is very popular when I speak to treatment-free beekeeping groups. <laughs> really, Randy? Really? You speak to treatment-free beekeeping groups and you tell them that their responsibility is to manage pests so that they don't kill the feral bees that nobody treats? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Tell people to get out of beekeeping, shake their bees into some soapy water. Uh, you know, you can watch it yourself. Uh, it's just strong words to, for no reason, really. Um, if the feral bees are okay, and you're my, and you're someone like myself that only really works with feral bees, all I'm giving them is somewhere to live. They're not, they're not com impacting feral colonies in any bad way. And it's just ironic to think that someone who treats their bees and saves them at all costs and has the weakest, the weakest selection criteria and genetics possible, doesn't think that they're influencing the feral bee community. And there's this little gem. And then I realize I'm breeding bees. Do I want to breed babies? That bees that need constant babying, or do I want to breed tough bees? I said, you know what? I want to breed tough bees. So we just take all of our dead ups, we just stack them on. If they can't make it, screw them. Put it at that box in somebody else. We're going to breed for bees that can handle most problems by themselves, so that we don't have to resort to medication. So we we um, we practice. If we have American fowl brood, really good hygiene. Okay, here we go again. He wants tough bees. He says he's going to select for the tough bees. If they can't make it, screw them. That's what he says. Um, except for all the treating. Um, that makes no sense at all. I mean, I don't... I can't put it any clearer than that. That makes just no sense. You want tough bees... Well, we're going to get further into this. You'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, here's another rule for you. I did this also for the treatment-free beekeepers. This is the written rules for organic beekeeping. If you want to sell your honey as organic honey. 
the producer must not accept the presence of pests, parasites, or disease without initiating efforts to restore the health of the colony. That's so what he put up on the organic. screen. You do not, you cannot allow Varroa to take over your colony. It's against organic certification. Okay, so here he goes. I don't know what this was supposed to prove. I don't know how many beekeepers, whether they treat or not, try to claim that they're organic. Organic has nothing to do with not treating bees. And there is no organic standard for beekeeping in the United States that I know of anyway. So this has to do with... I'm not sure what this has to do with, but good luck having getting an organic... Uh, certification anyway but I guess what he's saying here is there's just you just can't you can't be a treatment-free beekeeper whatsoever because you won't be called organic it's just it's a strange argument I really don't get it um, it's just some fear-mongering here we go uh, on the next part he's gonna show a puppy on the screen a very pathetic looking puppy covered in mange and compare this to treatment free beekeeping with with a lot of uh, you know modesty and this one I put this slide in particularly for the Marin County beekeepers <laughs> this puppy is suffering suffering from mite infestation it's called sarcoptic mange it causes the hair to fall out and if Somebody was walking down the street, dragging this poor little puppy along with a t-shirt that says, I'm a treatment-free puppy keeper, really proudly. What would happen to that person? PETA would be after him. They'd be burned to the stake. They'd go to jail. Being a treatment-free puppy keeper and being a treatment-free beekeeper both require a responsibility of not allowing your animals to get sick from a mite infestation. Okay, so you're starting now. You want to get a package of bees. Okay, I mean, he goes from one completely ridiculous thing to another, but the first one, you can't see the picture, of course, on the podcast, but you'll see it on the YouTube video if you look it up. It's just a, a really sick-looking puppy, and you would think someone with all the degrees in whatever entomology or biology would know the difference between a domestic puppy that has been raised in in a domestic situation for thousands of years, treated, you know, as a member of the family, is quite different from bees that, from an animal, an insect that can live on its own. Uh, and to equate that with treatment-free beekeeping is, is totally, it's, it's really wrong. <laughs> I have better, I have other words I'd rather use if I wasn't recording right now, but it really puts on display some serious ignorance of the difference between animals and what treating means to different animals. And then to say to we're starting out so get a package seriously that that's what you're telling everybody starting out with packages which is what he does and then He's selecting for tough bees by treating them and doesn't know the difference between a puppy with mange and the selective pressure in the insect world. So we know where our bite levels are at. We treat the entire operation at the same time because we're doing selective breeding. 
which means we want to be compare apples to apples. If we only treated a few hives, we couldn't compare whether that is a, a breeder queen or not because. Wow, you heard it. You heard it right there. Somebody in the audience has had enough of this. I mean, there's one or two people. You you can't really hear them very well. They're in the background, but they've kind of had it with this baloney he's talking about here. And he says that he treats the entire yard because he is selective breeding. Um, I can't, I don't know how to put two bigger contradictions into one sentence. But I won't even try. Um, he's trying to find out which queens of his are breeders by treating the whole yard. That classic. And the results of these great selective breeding techniques lead up to the next clip, which comes at the, uh, what minute is that? It's the, it's the 48 minute mark where he throws up a picture of a crying baby that's just bawling. And this is what he says. <laughs> anyway, this is the picture that epitomizes the look I see on all these beekeepers' faces that come to me, that spend all the, the hard-earned money on buying nukes from me, and they come back and Varroa's killed, killed them. Um, Did you hear that? The, the beekeepers spend all their hard-earned money buying nukes from him, he says, and the mites killed them. That's just, oh my God, I mean, I don't know what kind of sales that is. It's, it's not very good. Um, I don't see people like this coming to me, but the, this is a very respected, uh, I guess, selective breeding researcher. And uh, this is, you'll see this little bad, little sad baby. That's his customers right there. Uh, that I'm sure being such a famous person, his bees are not cheap. Um, but, yeah, that's his customers. He, he doesn't say whether they treat him or not. You figure if you're buying bees from from someone who treats all their bees all the time, you're probably going to get an earful of how to take care of them from that person. And you're probably going to listen because he spent all that money. But he thought enough of it to put this cry, crying baby face in his presentation. I don't know, to get a giggle out of somebody? I don't get a giggle out of it. It's Actually, I do get a bit of a giggle out of it if you continue to buy bees from someone like this. So with the 52-minute... 52nd mark. I have in my notes here that he talks about mite bombs. I wrote these notes down a few days ago, so I kind of don't really remember what he said, but let's I don't let's just listen along and see what the heck he says. Here in this, uh, Marta Spivak's been talking about this herd immunity. Dennis Van Engeldorf's been talking about mite bombs. Of interest, they both decided this year apparently to stop worrying about being politically correct, and they're calling a spade a spade, and they're telling the treatment-free beekeepers clean up your act. It's been a long time coming to see the major speakers doing this. That way I don't have to take all the heat. <laughs> Here's our alcohol washer uh, right here. What we okay. <laughs> now I remember. Yeah, Marla Spivak and, and Van Engelsdorp and Randy Oliver have finally had it. They're tired of being politically correct and they're going to tell us to clean up our act. Wow. The bees that he sells to people are coming to him with a crybaby face because they're all getting killed by mites. And 
it's just ironic. I've already talked about, I've talked about how I have colonies that some do die of obvious mite infestation because selection never stops. But the ones right next to it, on either side and behind it, are perfectly fine. And then one 50 yards away may die with, with five other ones around it. So his, you'll see, I think, in the next, probably the last clip, where he makes one of the biggest contradictions that I've heard even him make. But uh, let me cue that up. Okay, it's queued up. This clip goes for about... <clears throat> About a minute he talks about he has a graphic up where he shows a bunch of little hives and arrows pointing all over the place and he's explaining how mites get transmitted from one colony to another and he says this here in a neighborhood where you have a whole bunch of recreational beekeepers the parasite transmission from hive to hive is extremely high um, this is the kind of stuff that Megan was talking about with with transmission Bees can can travel up to about five miles. Then they run out of fuel, so they can't go any further than that. Most foraging is done within uh, a couple of miles. Now, one experiment that got good data was done on an Air Force base by Eva Fry in in Germany. They put uh, some uh, colonies ready to collapse in the middle of the Air Force base, and they put some some hives to monitor mites immigration uh, uh, right next to them, um, like 10 meters away, 100 meters away, and 1,500 meters away, about about a mile away. The mite immigration a mile away was the same as it was from the hive right next to it. So there you go. He just he just said something pretty important there. That the mite infestation a mile away was the same as the one right next to it. So if that's the case, I should not have any survivors any year. I mean, but year after year I have some dead and <clears throat> and others alive and more alive than dead and that just I shouldn't have any I just I mean it just doesn't get any clearer than that um, that's the end of his YouTube video some somehow I remember the begin somewhere in there that I didn't make a mark I must not have found it the second time I tried to endure this video um, he mentions that he keeps a treatment a yard treatment free and the reason he does that is because he needs to have bees with high mite counts so that he can experiment with treatments with his new novel treatments i mean that doesn't that's another just mind numbing idea that you're telling everybody that they have to treat all their bees yet he himself is keeping yards of untreated bees that he claims <laughs> claims they get really high mite counts. I mean, I'm not surprised that they do. They're, they're probably, from being treated for so long, they're really not selected for any type of survival at all. But for anyone out there, I keep hearing this, oh, he's working towards treatment-free. This, this actual YouTube video is from 2017, so it's it's almost three years old. Um, but he's been keeping bees for longer than I've been alive. So to think that in the past year or two, he's changed, I'd be really, 
I'd be really uh, welcoming to any type of evidence that that's the case. I mean, I can't, I've, it's rare to see someone who's only been keeping bees a year or two that treats to not treat. For someone who's been doing this for 30 years to, to just not, and to depend on all that pollination and everything and all the bee sales <clears throat> and all the donors of just, if you look at the website, it's just a lot of, the, the it makes a lot of money with these, um, these donations to, you know, almost a hundred donors of over, over a thousand dollars. It's right there on the website. It's not no secret, but yeah, I just, I'd like to see if he is not treating. I really doubt it, but that's about all I'm going to say about this video. I'm probably never going to watch another one. Uh, it would just, <laughs> it would just get my blood pressure up too high. Uh, this, this is going to be a short little podcast. I'm working on a couple very exciting things. I just need a little bit better technology. I uh, hope you liked it. Let's hear what you think. Thank you.